Good morning everyone, my name is Annabelle and I'm one of the leaders here at Woody. Ever wondered what it would have been like to be in the original church? Let's explore it in just a minute. So last week Mark spoke on the first chunk of Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost. Today we're studying Acts 2 verse 42 to 47, so let's start by reading it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, please open our ears to what you want to say to us through this passage. Amen. I don't know about you, but when I read this passage, I always feel mixed emotions, a mixture of feeling rather inadequate and challenged, and then defensive about the fact that this original church seems so amazing and sorted and also pretty full on, mixed in with an excitement that the church was and can be so radical and exciting and can grow so much. Reading around this passage, it seems a lot of people feel that way. Not many churches today look exactly like this one. Many are very far from it. So it made me ask the question, should churches today even look like this? Is it realistic? After some thought, personally, I would say yes and no. No in the sense that they had the apostles still with them, the very people who had hung out with Jesus. And I think it's understandable that that would add a different level to things. But yes, in that the apostles were now operating by the same Holy Spirit that lives in us. Jesus was no longer bodily with them, just as he is not bodily with us but he lives on in us by his wonderful spirit, and that had just arrived for them. Another sense that I would say that what we see here is unique is that it is the baby church. They have literally just grown from 12, plus Jesus's family and some extra women, to 3,000 in one day. This is the very beginning of the church. And as such, you could argue it is pure and innocent and even a little naive. In later chapters of Acts and later books of the Bible, we see deacons needing to be brought in as people weren't getting served properly. We see Paul introducing the structure of elders and writing letters to churches uh, where they were really messing things up. We see arguments about false teaching and the need for worship guidelines. The church grew and didn't stay pure because humans are sinful. However, I absolutely believe that what we do have here is, if you like, the blueprint for what church should be, what the priorities are, and what the hallmarks of a spirit-filled church would be. There are lots of different expressions of church across the world, depending on circumstances, cultures, personalities. I believe that's to be expected because God made us all unique. It's not his style to give a one-size-fits-all template. However, at the same time, we all share the same spirit and therefore we should expect some commonality across churches. So 
Let's look at what these fundamentals are that give commonality and that reflect the Lord's character and work. So verse 42, they devoted themselves to various things, holy ordinances, if you like. Devoted here means they continued steadfastly. This is no fad or flash in the pan. They devoted themselves in the same way that Jesus has devoted himself to us. We stand under his grace. And when we read this passage, we need only to look at ourselves. There is no place for judging others. Jesus devoted himself to each one of us and died for each one of us. And we stand before him alone in our devotion. The things they devoted themselves to then, that they continued steadfastly in, are then listed. And there's no reason to think that they are linear in a particular order, but rather that they did all of them at once. <clears throat> Firstly, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were learners. Most of them were brand new to Jesus, but there's always more to learn, even for those of us who might not be brand new to Jesus. The apostles would have been teaching the gospel. The teaching would have had a Jesus focus. I mean, after all, the rest of the New Testament with the church stuff wasn't written yet. The new people who had just joined the church had responded to Peter's preaching. Teaching and preaching Jesus and the gospel with reference to the Old Testament was what had led to this incredible growth in the first place, and they weren't going to stop learning yet. They also devoted themselves to fellowship, which I'll come back to in a minute when we look at verse 46. Thirdly, they devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. This phrase is also used in verse 46, but here in verse 42, it is the breaking whereas in 46, the the is dropped. Most commentators seem to think, therefore, that verse 42 is referring to communion and verse 46 is referring to eating ordinary meals together. We can't be sure, but as it's grouped here with other spiritual disciplines, I believe this bit is talking about communion. Lastly, they devoted themselves to prayer. And in the Greek, this has a the in front of it, implying it is talking about public temple prayers. In other words, they were praying together, akin to our church prayer meetings. No doubt they were also using the Lord's Prayer as Jesus had taught the apostles, and I'm sure they prayed privately as well, but the emphasis here seems to be on corporate prayer. Verse 43 goes on then to say that everyone was filled with awe and fear, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. It's easy to overlook this little nugget in amongst all of what could become a tick list of responsibilities in our heads. But at the end of the day, they had just all received the Holy Spirit for the very first time. God was with them. Aslan was on the move and powerful things were happening. I believe <clears throat> this is the key verse for them and for us. Without the Spirit moving, how would anyone ever have the energy or the love to do all the other stuff that's going on here? There's a whole theological discussion here around whether the apostles were special and whether the signs and wonders can still be done today. Well, signs and wonders do still happen today, but not as much as we would like. I think what we take from this is that we must never stop asking, seeking, thirsting and making space for the Holy Spirit to do signs and wonders among us. And we must do that from a place of fear and awe. Verse 44 then says, all the believers were together. 
Stu mentioned a couple of weeks ago about the disciples gathering together and that word not just meaning physically but in unity. My understanding is that the Greek word here is a different one and literally means in the same place. It speaks of frequent meetings which is reiterated in verse 46 every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They were Jews after all and had not left Judaism behind at this point. When they met together in the temple courts, it's easy to imagine the equivalent being us meeting in our church building. But actually, the temple courts were full of Jews who didn't yet know Jesus. And as they met together publicly, they were actually witnessing to these Jews who didn't know Jesus. A closer equivalent for us might be if we all met every day in public spaces in Cardiff, the cafes, pubs, parks, town centre. Something to think about. It goes on to say that they had everything in common, but I'm not going to speak on that aspect this week as it comes up again in a few weeks and I will cover it then. <clears throat> now, back to fellowship. There is a lot of evidence of fellowship happening here meeting together every day and breaking bread in their homes. This time it's talking about ordinary meals. Food is a big deal in the church. It's an important part of life together, both sharing meals and taking communion. And we spent a month in the autumn looking at this. The fellowship they were devoted to is koinonia in Greek, and it includes not just socialising, but sharing and participation. Life groups are a good example of koinonia, also prayer triplets. One quote I read said, their fellowship together was not occasional or careless, but deliberate, intentional and real. They were doing life together. Fellowship doesn't just happen, you must devote yourselves to it. You need to be consistent to build church family relationships. It can't happen if you're not consistently present. When I was preparing, I read a sermon on this passage from a church in America, and I wanted to share a little bit of what the pastor, Jonathan Romig, said about Koinonia Fellowship. It's quite a long bit, but I think it's worth it. He said, we are already doing fellowship when we gather for worship or when we play games or eat a meal, when we do a Bible study or go on a hike or join a community group or visit each other in hospital, it's all fellowship. But if we're honest, we might also admit that when we do, it can be a bit planned, a bit orchestrated. The house is clean, the meal is made and the parents are home. Fellowship is more like welcoming a church friend in to experience life with you, even though there's laundry piles on the floor, dishes in the sink, the baby is crying and the kids won't do their homework. Fellowship is when your parent dies or you're sick and a church friend comes over to take care of you. Fellowship is getting up early for breakfast with brothers or sisters in Christ to pray and confess your sins to each other. Fellowship is seeing each other on the good days and the bad, day in and day out, which is probably more like how our family and children see us than our church family. There's a deeper component to this. The root of the Greek word for fellowship, koinonia, is koinos, which means common or profane, impure. Although there is something rich and meaningful and loving about church fellowship, it can also become something almost profane and impure. This is the model church, but you know who might very well be among them, worshipping and praising God? Ananias and Sapphira, who try to lie to God to make themselves look good. They also have 
the whole Jerusalem Council in Acts 17 because the Jewish believers didn't know how to incorporate the Gentile believers. Peter leads them, but at one point he refuses to eat with the Gentiles. Pastor Rick Harrington from the Okenga program recently self-published a book called How to Find a Church, Seven Steps to Becoming Part of a Spiritual Family. The first step is preparation, the second is the visit, and so on and so forth. The last step is persevering through the pain. He writes, you will get hurt. I actually think this is part of God's plan for the church, though that does not excuse the one who causes the pain. He wants us to learn to forgive and show grace. This is where it takes true grit, a staunch stomach and a test of faith. You need to stick it out. When you've done this step, you've found your spiritual family. Life together has wonderful times of encouragement and joy, but also bruises and frustrations. But we stick it out because we love Jesus and each other. So, despite the fact that humans can be annoying and fellowship can be hard work, when the first church met together, they were open-handed and open-hearted. They were glad and joyful. They praised God, full of thanksgiving, and they enjoyed favour. They were well thought of and had influence. This provided an alluring new home for, for new Christians, which was just as well, because the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church was growing. Notice it was the Lord doing the adding. They weren't constantly evangelising in the way we might understand that. But by being public, witnessing, preaching the gospel, devoting themselves to koinonia, praying together, caring for each other and praising God, God added to their number daily. Now, I hope that you are starting to feel a little excited, a little energised and hopeful that what we see here is in fact possible for churches today. I hope that from now on when you read this passage you won't feel condemned or depressed. You will be able to recognise that in many ways this was a unique situation and a specific group of people in a specific time and place, but we would be fools not to place importance on the priorities and patterns that we see here in the original church. In fact, I absolutely believe that the principles we see here are already embedded in Woody. Have we got it all sorted? Far from it. For example, we absolutely desire way more experience of the Spirit than we're having now, and we desire to see a lot more growth than we're seeing now. But I think we have a lot of the fundamental principles in place. For example, we preach and teach the Word of God every single week. Even when COVID hit, we found a way and invested in being able to make teaching available to everyone in the church and to those outside it who might be searching. We meet together publicly every week when COVID allows and uh, on Zoom if, you know, if we can't because of COVID. And one of our priorities in Woody is life groups, which is where koinonia can really happen. We celebrate communion every month and we feast together once a month at Big Woody. This will become more like a feast once COVID allows. We have weekly communal prayer meetings. We value and expect the work of the Spirit every time we meet and we make open-ended space for him at least twice a month corporately. There are opportunities to meet together at least twice a week, but often more. People in this church are generous, often offering items for free to others and often giving funds to people in need and offering space in homes and serving others with their time. 
We open our doors to be more public and share the gospel with children and adults who don't know Jesus at least twice a month. We worship and praise God every week together. Are we getting it all right or going as deep and devoted as we could be? No, I'm sure we would agree that we're not. So how can we grow more into this pattern or blueprint and keep the main things the main things? We each need to ask ourselves things like, how devoted am I to this teaching? Do I listen or catch up every week? How devoted am I to koinonia? Am I in a life group or perhaps a prayer triplet? Am I attending church regularly? How much do I prioritise the communion week? How devoted am I to corporate prayer? Am I attending the prayer meetings? How expectant am I of the spirit to move? Am I praying for signs and wonders, for healing and breakthrough? Am I putting time into church family relationships, making dates to hang out with people and get to know them better, inviting people to my home? Am I generous to my church family? Am I happy to be seen as part of Woody publicly? Am I thanking God daily for all his many blessings? Am I quick to praise him when we share testimony? There is lots and lots of challenge in this passage. And above all, we need to be filled with the Spirit. It is he that brings the life and the gladness. So how do we walk more in the Spirit? Well, it helps if we're getting teaching, praying, taking communion and meeting with other Christians. So this becomes a bit of a chicken and egg situation. If we wait until we feel great and on fire for God <clears throat> in order to do some of the above stuff, we may never get there. We come back round to the beginning of the passage. As we devote ourselves to Jesus and to the church, we can trust that God will bring growth, gladness and good stuff. Let's pray. Lord God, there is lots to challenge us here, but ultimately we need your spirit, Lord. We pray for more of your Holy Spirit uh, among us, that we would be refreshed and overflowing. And that as we uh, stand in awe and wonder of you, that you would uh, grow in us some of the things that we see here in the original church, some of your patterns. Amen. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great week and uh, join us next week for more on Acts.